From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Thursday, November 16, 2023. Mary Danielson, Crash Connell, we're a week away from Thanksgiving. Mm. How the month has flown. Mm Mm-hmm. It has. And we have a longtime friend on the podcast today. Buckle up. You're going you're gonna to learn a lot. You're going to be challenged. Mm-hmm. You might even get mad and turn off the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get underway here. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Although I can't imagine anyone getting mad at Jay Seagert. But uh, yeah, we'll see. My guest today is Jay Seagert, and it's great to have him back on the podcast. And we're going to catch up with him in just a couple of minutes. Talk about this uh, sin-soaked world today. Our scripture today is Colossians 1, 15 to 18. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Let's pray. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, the psalmist declares that the heavens declare your glory and that you speak to all humanity through all time through your handiwork. Lord, we we thank and praise you for the witness of creation and the glorious picture that it paints for us of eternity past and future. Lord, we ask that you help us to continue to learn of you uh, through all you've made, and that you would help us be mindful daily of your holiness and majesty. And, and Lord, that we would be emboldened uh, to witness for the truth. We lift up Jay today and his ministry, his loved ones, all that he sets his hands to uh, that points to your kingdom. Protect them, Lord, and give them peace and rest and good health, provision in all things. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. Again, my guest today is international speaker and author Jay Siegert, managing director for The Starting Point Project. Jay gives presentations to churches, conferences, and schools covering things like the evidence for the existence of God, uh, the inerrancy and divine inspiration of the scriptures, worldviews, and our starting point, creation versus evolution, the Bible versus science controversy, which rages all the time. How to also how to college proof your faith and evangelism. Does Grand Canyon tours exploring evidence for the Genesis flood? Uh, Jay has degrees in physics and engineering technology and a passion, a true passion for helping Christians strengthen their faith. Website thestartingpointproject.com. Thestartingpointproject.com. A lot of great resources there, such as his podcast Starting Point which can be found on any podcast app. Also some books, Creation to Christ, Faith is Not a Four-Letter Word, that sounds intriguing, and Creation and Evolution, that can also be purchased on the website, Jay Seeger, Understanding and Defending the Christian Worldview. Welcome back to Stand Up. It's always great to be on the program. It's an honor. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Glad to have Wisconsin's very own on here today. Um <laughs> What, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, just update, uh, the ministry. We haven't talked to you in a while. And what exactly is a starting point? I think I know, but if you would just let us know what a starting point is. 
Sure. There are always some new listeners, so mm-hmm. uh, very succinctly, uh, everyone starts somewhere with their belief systems. It's absolutely impossible to not start somewhere. Yeah. When Christians start with the belief that God exists, the Bible is the Word of God, and then we use that starting point to define everything else, what science and logic actually are, history, ethics, morality, philosophy, everything gets defined by what we've chosen to start with. Whereas a skeptic, you know, would have a, a different starting point, and you can even ask them, hey, you know, what is your starting point? What did you choose to start with? And uh, they probably won't even realize they have a starting point. Most <laughs> right. people don't. But if they think it through, they'll come up with something, and then you can just ask them, what made you choose that, you know, versus something else? Why are you confident that it will help you accurately define everything else, you know, and how do you know that it's true? Mm-hmm. And so you just get into these very natural conversations that doesn't have to be caustic or inflammatory, yeah. but you get them to realize there are some things that they take for granted. They just assume are true, and that's what our starting point is. We we start somewhere, we assume these things are true, and then you use those to interpret the world around you, because facts don't speak for themselves. Every fact you see has to be interpreted, and the way you interpret it is by using what you already believe to begin with. So mm. starting points are very, very important. So we are the starting point pro- um, pro- project to have these discussions. And we, and long story short, we show that the Christian starting point, the Christian worldview is really the only one that does help us accurately understand and make sense of everything else going on around mm-hmm. us, especially when things have gone upside down. So that's a little bit about the name of the ministry. Um, my main thing is I travel around the country and been in nine other countries talking about these starting points and evidence for the Christian worldview, mm-hmm. helping Christians and others better understand and better defend the Christian worldview. And we have a lot of the resources you mentioned on our website, and then we also do Grand Canyon tours, not to focus on looking at a big hole in the ground, but (laughs) just further evidence of the biblical account of a worldwide flood, which sounds really crazy to most people, but when you look at it biblically and then you look at what we actually see in the real world, including the Grand Canyon, you say, wow, there there must have been a worldwide flood. It looks like yeah. it actually happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have some? Now, you'll start that when the weather warms up, I take it. Do you have uh, some dates set up already, or are you still working on that? We do. We are actually probably officially tomorrow launching mm. the date on our website we actually have them listed but we will have all the details necessary and an ability to actually register we have uh, more than more than we were planning we're doing six next year okay. there's one in june one in august um three in september and one in october um and they're they're all about the same they start thursday night and they end sunday afternoon they start in Phoenix, so people get themselves to Phoenix, and once they're there, everything is taken care of. It's a family-friendly tour. We are not repelling and doing cliff climbing. It's just walking on a flat paved path when we're looking at the canyon from the top, um, looking one mile down to the Colorado River, and the next day we're actually on the river, and we take a bus to get there, and we stay in hotels. So once people are in Phoenix, everything is taken care of from an introductory meeting Thursday night at the hotel until they get dropped off at the airport again uh, Sunday afternoon. It's just, again, family-friendly, very faith-affirming. It's You get fired up because 
we don't just talk about the flood. We talk about how do we know that God exists? I mean, how do we really know? How do we know the Bible is the inspired Word of God? How do you mentor your children and grandchildren? How do you reach out very graciously to skeptics? What about the creation-evolution controversy? What about carbon-14 dinosaurs? Uh, all these things we address uh, along the way on the trip. And again, we've had five-year-olds go, and we've had people in their 70s and 80s go. Great, great. I'm glad that we got to talk about this because there may be families out there, listeners uh, who want to plan a vacation, and maybe this would be something, a very memorable time with family. Uh, so if people do want to consider, if you've never been and you want to do that, um, it'd be great uh, to go with Jay and Starting Point Project. So the startingpointproject.com, and you can find information on there. And I also love what you said about Starting Point because we all do have a starting point, and I think about um, Romans 1. Because Romans 1 says that everybody knows God already exists. And that's a starting point that people may resist um, because they may not believe that or they may not um, think that that's true and they want to reason within their own hearts. Um, so, you know, when you ask people, you know, what a great icebreaker, what's your starting point? When you ask people about a starting point considering Romans 1, do you find a lot of resistance to that? Because the Bible says they already know. Uh, what, what's people's oh. response? Yeah, no, it's a it's an awesome passage and an approach that I've been using more recently with particularly with atheists is I tell them I'm I'm a Christian and that means I kind of have to live in a box meaning <laughs> I have to go with whatever the Bible says because if I don't you can call me out for being inconsistent mm. and they they totally get that I'm just describing my situation that makes sense to them and I am talking about where I'm coming from so there's not a problem at that point then I tell them that Romans 1 says that God has put so much evidence just in nature that people are without excuse, meaning no one will ever be able to stand before God and say, you know, I would have believed in you, but yeah, you didn't really give me enough evidence. Mm. God say, no, I gave you more than enough evidence just in nature. And it also says that God has put the knowledge of his existence inside every single person. And I said, because of that, I have to believe you know God exists, and that's when they get upset, because I say, oh, I don't believe that God exists, and I say, I hear what you're saying, and I understand that. However, I have to believe you know God exists, because that's what the Bible is telling me, and if I don't believe that, you can call me out for not believing that passage. Mm. Then mm. I tell them, it goes on to say that even though God has given them all this evidence, um, then he's put the knowledge of himself inside them, he's not going to force himself on them. If they choose to reject the evidence, God's saying, okay, I'm not going to twist your arm and force your mind here, um, but if you do make the decision to reject all this evidence I've already given you, there are consequences for that, and the rest of Romans 1 goes on and talks about all those consequences that it gives them over to a reprobate mind, darkened thinking, and Romans one twenty two says, professing themselves to be wise, they have become fools, and that is not mm. name-calling by God. Mm -hmm. He's not saying, oh, they're just a bunch of fools. He's describing their thinking process because they've rejected the evidence. They're not going to be able to think clearly anymore. And when I wow. tell them that, I say, because of this, because of what I see in the Bible, that I have to live in that box, uh, I don't think for one second, if I tell you everything that I know about DNA and its complexity, that that in and of itself will change your mind. We're dealing with a spiritual issue, and until you're ready to submit your will before your Creator, um, we're not really going to get anywhere. Yeah. So given that, 
how would you like to proceed? And they're like a deer in the headlights because they just want to <laughs> argue science, which I don't mind talking about that, yeah. but that's not, not really the issue. But they don't want to go the spiritual route. And sometimes I'll even ask, if if there is no God and you're just a bunch of particles banging around, why is it that you're so upset and churning inside right now that I'm mm-hmm. talking about God and Jesus? Mm-hmm. If you're just particles, it shouldn't bother you at all. But if there really is a God, you are created in his image. He's given you a free will, and you're using that to reject your creator. That's going to cause tension. So that's what yeah. I think you're experiencing right now. So it yeah. kind of throws them for a loop, not necessarily on purpose, but I'm just being straightforward to them with what Scripture says. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what I think Charles Spurgeon says. He says there really are two books. One is a picture book. You know, for those who are unlearned, just like you would give a child, these are the stars, these are the heavens, this is creation, it's like a picture book. And then there's the deeper revelation of God's Word. In the beginning was the Word. And if you want to know more and understand the deeper things of God, but but everybody has that picture book first uh, so that they can comprehend that God exists. And And I love what you said about particles banging together because... If a person considers their life and all that they accomplish and those they love and the experiences they have, and it just ends with nothing, how incredibly sad and futile that is. And I think the world yeah. is just living in futility, which kind of leads us to our uh, how we want to talk about this today is the big picture of where we are today. I mean, this world is absolutely off the rails. And um, the amount of mayhem out there is is incredible. And even though the world is psychotic right now, even unbelievers are seeing this. They, they're thinking, um, you know, what happened to our culture? And so I think, you know, everything sort of intersects here at a chaos point, and it's a great opportunity for believers to uh, speak to that chaos and help people understand what's going on. So, Jay, let's just jump in here. What really is the big picture of where the world is at today? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, You and I are old enough to know that things have always slowly been getting worse morally. It's just, it was kind of a slow downhill thing. It wasn't overly concerning to people. You just, you kind of got used to it. You saw that that's how things were going. And one really quick side note I remember many years ago, uh, back when the Dead Sea was just starting to get sick, um, I was uh, my one of my last years of college uh, doing physics at Whitewater. And I remember I had to take a sociology class. I needed one one more general education, you know, set of credits, and so I took sociology. And but I remember being in the sociology professor's office, and somehow we started talking about morality. This professor was not a Christian. He was a nice guy, but he was not a Christian. And he was talking about the the moral level of society. And I will never ever forget. He was totally serious when he looked at me and he said. It's gone as far as it's going to go. It's gotten as bad. It's it's, mm. it's peaked. It's not <laughs> going to get worse than it is right now. And this was this was back in 1986. Wow. And things you know weren't terrible then. Mm. They're better in a sense than they are now. But mm. he really what shocked me was he really believed himself when he was saying that that morally it's gotten as bad as it's going to go. I I'd love to be able to talk to him today to say, do you think <laughs> since 1986 things have gotten worse? Morally, you'd have to agree, like, yeah, I guess we've slipped a few more notches. So, But we've been used to this trend, slowly accepting a little bit more, pushing the envelope a little bit more, where, you know, you're slowly turning up the heat on the stove with the frog in the pot, and you don't really notice it. Mm -hmm. We're used to that. However, a few years ago, 
the wheels fell off and everything went upside down and it's uh, gone from slowly getting worse to just being absolutely crazy and without even getting into political discussions those who would be much much more liberal in their views are noticing the same thing i mean a lot of them are saying this okay this is crazy even we as liberals don't agree with this but i think uh some of some of that party's been hijacked by extremists um but yeah it's something changed where it it went from slowly getting worse to just the wheels falling off everything is upside down good is bad bad is good Men are women, women are men. Um, won't get into it right now, but even <laughs> scientists are redefining nothing as something. Because you can't get a universe out of nothing, so mm-hmm. they just conveniently redefine nothing as being filled with stuff, and then they use the stuff to create the universe. I mean, and they're serious about that. So wow. it's just it's just gone nuts. Yeah. And so um, the, the good and the bad and the ugly, in a sense, the... The bad is that the world went from not so good to the wheels, you know, have fallen off. And then the ugly is it's probably going to get even worse Mm -hmm. and uh, you can't fix it. None of us can actually fix these issues. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, the good portion is, and this is huge for all the listeners, um, is God is not asking us to fix it. He seriously is not saying fix all these issues that are around us. He's simply asking us to share the gospel message with those around us. If every Christian did that, I think some of these problems would improve. Some may even go away. But the goal isn't just to get the problems to go away. The the goal is to get people to place their trust in Christ, and then they end up making different decisions. Mm -hmm. And the worse things get around us, the easier it should be for us to share the only hope that exists, which is Jesus Christ. So, yeah, it's getting worse, and it's unfortunate, but it should be easier to get into these conversations where Mm -hmm. we're able to share the gospel. Yeah, the world is broken. It's been broken since the garden. And the only tool, you know, we can't fix it, and we're not called to fix it either. Uh, The only tool we have really is the gospel, and God gave us that tool to fix one heart at a time. So um, that sure. is that is very, very hopeful, and we always try to bring out something hopeful here because it, because it is ugly. And think about it, Jay, because um, the anti-Semitism that's raging right now uh, was not raging in September. And so there was a, a day, a point in time, where things got worse again. And it just seems like uh, it's a tinderbox. You know, you light a match to it. Um, and for, you know, throw some, some gas on it. And we don't know what's next. We don't know if they're going to come after the Christians next. We don't really have any idea what the next upside down, uh, uh spin around t- turn is going to be. So, um, yeah, it, it is ugly. What are, what are some of the main issues we're dealing with today as Christians? I think it's a pretty long list, Jay, but, um, maybe you can dive into some of those things just to underscore exactly how things have changed. I had a daughter I raised in the 80s and 90s, and if I had a daughter today, I would probably have to raise her differently. Um, but so what, so what are some of these issues, Jay? Well, yeah, it's a very different culture, and our, our point right now won't be to really dive into these in depth mm-hmm. and just kind of by mentioning people right. say, yep, that's one, that's one, that's one. And so I just want the listeners to get a feel for the extent of these things and how many there are. We, you know, again, very quickly, we have gay marriage, abortion, transgenderism, systemic racism, the Great Reset, cancel culture, wokeness, diversity, LGBTQ+, 
virtue signaling, socialism, critical race theory, feminism, progressive Christianity, the Green New Deal, climate change, COVID pandemic, settled science, cultural appropriation, and identity politics. And those are the types of things that we're dealing with on a regular basis now, which, a quick side note, I've spent many years talking about the creation versus evolution controversy, Mm -hmm. and I know many others who are also involved in that, and it's a really important message. However, what I have seen recently uh, goes along with the phrase that if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything around you looks like a nail, (laughs) meaning one one size fits all, Mm -hmm. one solution. So there are still a lot of people running around saying it's evolution. People believe in evolution, so that's why we're having all these issues today. It's like, you know what, it has its place to discuss that. It's it's foundational. It's, it is important. However, most Christians are not weighing, uh, laying awake in bed at night worrying about evolution. Mm-hmm. It's not really on their radar. If you bring it up or have a talk about it, they'll say, oh, that was kind of interesting, but then they go back home and they're still worried about the whole transgenderism thing and abortion and gay marriage and all these other issues. So I think we as Christians need to be very sensitive. What's going on in the world today? How do we approach it? And it's not that any of these individual issues is too tough. It's that there are too many of them and Mm -hmm. that they are overwhelming the system. And that's been something that's been used in societies for uh, forever is you create a problem and you, you stir the pot so much that people are kind of in panic mode. And then someone shows up and says, hey, I'm here to solve it. It's going to cost you a little bit of your freedom and a lot of your money. But, hey, we'll at least take, you know, lessen some of the pain. And at that point, people like anything, whatever, just make this go away. And when there are so many issues, it's like the old guy entertainer on the stage with all the plates spinning. He's got one (laughs) spinning, and you've got to run to get the other one going, and just constantly keeping the plate spinning. And as Christians, many people get overwhelmed, like, I I don't know how to handle hardly any of these individually, but all of them together are just overwhelming. And again, they think they have to fix all these things versus how can I share my faith individually with, with my own family and friends and people around me, in light of the fact that we are are dealing with all these issues, because actually the gospel message does address all these issues, but rather than putting band-aids on the issues, yeah. we should be starting with the gospel message. Yeah, absolutely. Because if we if we look from an earthly perspective and a bottom-up perspective, all these issues are symptoms of something else, which is the wholesale rejection of the gospel. Um, you know, disregard for life. Um, when you talk about evolution and how many years have we had of this evolutionary theory, and now we're to the point where we're euthanizing people that don't fit our standard of, of who should live and who should die. So everything seems to be a symptom of something else, and we have so many symptoms. But like you said, bringing the gospel is the thing um, and, and that, you know, causes people to, to set aside all that rebellion, and it, it is the fix. It is, it is the cure. Um, you know, what does he say? Life is short, death is sure, sin the cause, Christ the cure. Um, you know, yeah. I just love that because that really is is the gospel. Jay, if the holiday's coming up, uh, people are going to be in a situation where they're with family, and we were always raised to say, don't bring up religion and politics at the dinner table. What would you say to that about bringing up religion? Um, how do you feel about that being uh, a subject that we should not talk about? Sure. It's, well, it's certainly a challenging situation. There's no, quote, easy fix, and each situation is a little different, so there's not one-size-fits-all with that situation either. 
ultimately, you should be praying ahead of time saying, God, I know I have this situation coming up. We have aunts and uncles and nephews and whomever. We're all going to be together, and a lot of them are coming from very different angles, more liberal, uh, not a biblical standpoint. And a lot of times people say, oh, don't bring those things up. A lot of times it's the skeptics and the other people who are bringing it up on their own, (laughs) whether it's intentional or unintentional. And just one piece of advice, when it comes up, if you haven't even brought it up yourself, um, whatever issue they bring up, let's just say, you know, transgenderism, they bring it up somehow, make a comment, and they're looking for you to say something back. At that point, it should never, ever, ever be your philosophy versus the other person's, because who are we that the whole world should care what we think about that issue? Um, If someone brings up an issue, we should say, hold on a second, let me see what the Bible has to say about that. And if they push back on what we share from Scripture, their problem isn't really with us. It's with mm-hmm. what God's Word says, and someday they'll be accountable for that. And it's just up to us to very graciously help them understand, here's why I believe there are so many problems with these types of issues in the world, while they're, why they aren't going well, is it's not the way God designed things, and so that's why we're running into problems. And it's it's interesting because people say, well, don't bring up religion, you know, when you're in those groups. Uh, I usually tell people, I'm not a religious person. And then they look at me like, what are you, crazy? You travel around the world talking about God and Jesus and the Bible and all that. And my response is always, I believe that religion is man's idea of God. And the reason we have so many different religions is there are so many different people, and they all have their own ideas of who God is, what he is, and what he wants from us. Um, I don't really have time to find out what everyone else believes about God. Um, but on the other hand, I think the Bible is God's idea about mm-hmm. God, and that fascinates me to no end. So while I say I'm not a religious person, I am a Christian, and mm-hmm. I believe the Bible from cover to, to cover. And I also realize that um, Christianity is considered to be one of the world's religions, so I guess fine in that sense I'm a religious person. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to make the distinction between man's idea about God and what God has told us about himself which makes it so important for us as Christians to be able to defend why do we know and believe that the Bible is really what God told us about himself versus what we kind of made up and what Mm -hmm. we would like to believe. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think it can be very disarming to say to people, I... I'm not religious. You know, it might catch them off guard, but religion to me is man reaching up to God and trying to find God and who he is and making up a lot of rules and traditions. But Christianity is God reaching down to man while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. And I I think that is very disarming. So I'm very glad you brought that up. We only have a couple minutes left in this first half. It went so fast. But we're going to talk about helpful points for witnessing. And just to maybe I can get a two-minute answer from you, and then we can continue it after the break. But, um, you know, as far as witnessing goes, I know there are many things. um, You know, there's fear. um, What will people think? And will I have the right answers for people? What if they stump me? That sort of thing. But we talk about evangelism as as a gift, you know, people being gifted with evangelism, but I think there's more to it than that because I think we're all called to witness. So, Jay, can you talk about uh, some seem to be gifted and some not? Yeah, I mean, some naturally seem to have that gift and that personality. They just like talking to people, and God mm-hmm. has certainly gifted certain people to be very powerful evangelists, but he has commanded everyone to share their faith. So even if you don't think you're good at it, that doesn't get you off the hook. And the more you do it, 
the better you get. And you also get so fired up when you get into these conversations that pretty soon you can't wait to do it again. Hmm. So it's, it's a snowball in a good sense. If you, you got to step out, you got to trust God. You're going to take some hits along the way. It's Hmm. a little awkward, but God will honor that. And the Holy Spirit does ultimately does all the heavy lifting. So you just have to be willing to be used and trust that God will give you the words to say, even if you don't think it went that well. Doesn't matter. God's Mm -hmm. like, God's not thinking like, oh, great, you totally blew that. That's okay. I'm working here. He's refining and growing you as he's still also reaching out to that other person. So you just have to spend some time doing it and get better at it over time with the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and you never know if something you said that you thought was dumb or you misspoke or you stumbled, that that's the thing God used in that person's life because we don't know what's going on in their heart while we're sharing with them. So... Um, I'm glad you said that because it's really not us anyway, nor do we want it to be. So the Holy Spirit doing the heavy lifting, of course. So you want to pray and prepare if you're going to go out and witness or if you know you're going to uh, meet with someone who doesn't know the Lord, be prepared, be prayed up, know, have the scriptures handy of things that you might want to share with them. So we are talking to Jay Seeger today of the starting point project.com, understanding and defending the Christian worldview. And uh, we're going to come, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, helpful points for witnessing. And he has four main points here that I think will be very informative and very, very helpful to the listener. So uh, we're going to take a break for a couple minutes here. And we are going to be back shortly with Jay Siegert. And be sure that you subscribe to our weekly email digest. We sit about it in the, on Friday afternoons. Didn't cost anything, just subscribe. There's a button at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Subscribe at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. My guest is Jay Siegert, thestartingpointproject.com. And we are talking about sharing our faith today. And before we get to these helpful points for witnessing, Jay, I want to ask you about, because the times that we live in and, and we study prophecy, we know the signs of the times. Jesus says you need to comprehend this just like you understand uh, the skies um, what do you think about using prophecy or having a, just a working knowledge of prophecy to be able to share with people? What does Israel's place, you know, why are we seeing this as it is? What do you think about prophecy as being a great uh, opening shot? It's huge. It's it's kind of like low-hanging fruit. It should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, just one actual real-life example. I was speaking somewhere, in, I don't know, maybe it was North Dakota, Anyway, I was driving, and I was going to eat at a Texas roadhouse, and I was just praying, God, let me talk to someone while I'm, while I'm there. And I'm thinking, when I go, I'm, I'll be sitting at a table by myself, and I won't be able to talk to anybody. Well, it was so crowded, they sat me at their little bar area. I don't drink, but I thought, I'd like to sit up there. Anyway, I sat up there and got into a conversation with a, a couple next to me, and the husband brought up something about Israel, just out of the blue. He hmm. said that, and I said, you know what? I don't think this world we're living in is an accident. It had a very specific reason, a beginning for a purpose. There's a plan for the middle, and I said the end is also abruptly coming, and there are details in the Bible about this, because well, what we're seeing is already has been predicted in the Bible, and it also tells us how it's going to wrap up. But I said people are just 
they hold their arms out, oh, I don't want to hear that Bible stuff. I said, well, you might not want to, but all this has been predicted, and it has an answer for what's coming up, and that that really got their attention. And I just talked about, you know, how did this whole thing start? Because that's another angle you could use with people. You know, people realize there's all this tension going on in the Middle East with the Israelis and Arabs and such. You say, well, you know, how did that? You could ask them. Yeah. How did that whole thing get started? Yeah. And most people say, you know what? I don't know. They've just been fighting forever. And then you could say, well, actually, the Bible explains how it got started. It goes back to Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael, and that's how it really got started. And even said there's going to be tension between these people groups throughout and. So you could add more about you know, God chose the Hebrew people, the Israelites, to give them his written word and all that, and they were his chosen people through which this Messiah would come, and the whole Jesus thing, which everyone knows about Jesus and Christmas and Easter, that came out of out of Israel because it was God's chosen people. So you're just kind of building up simple things, mm-hmm. and then you could say things are going to wind down, just like Christ came once 2,000 years ago and died on the cross. He said he's coming back. And he said, you shouldn't be shocked when I come back. You're not going to know the exact day, but you're going to know when it's close. And then he gave us these signs you know, of Israel becoming a nation again, 1948. And you can share those things, and people are glued. And then they're going to be like, well, what else does it say? What else does it mm-hmm. say? Mm-hmm. And so it's just so easy to get into that conversation if you know a little bit. You don't have to be a prophecy expert, but just know a little bit about the big picture. Right, and the fact that God is outside of time and prophecy is proof of that. And Christianity is the only faith where prophecy exists 100% accuracy and I, I think I think those are great open doors so that just gives people an idea of, of something that is also another great icebreaker is uh, do you want to know why the Middle East is a mess and then just take it from there so thank you for that Jay I want to just go right into helpful points for witnessing because I think these are great um, you have four different ones here and the first one is personal persona what does that mean yeah it's it's basically how you come across to people no, we all know people that you just like being around them. They're just fun. They're kind. Mm-hmm. They're always encouraging. And then there are other people that are just caustic and they're always annoyed and just they they kind of zap the energy out of you. Well, why would a skeptic want to listen to anything you have to say, even the gospel message, if you're just someone who's angry or judgmental or or whatever it is? Your personal persona makes a huge difference. It's not everything, but it's a big, it's the first thing, the first impressions. I always want skeptics to walk away from me saying, I really would like to hate that guy, but he is nicer <laughs> to me than my friends are. Mm. Um, there should be something very winsome about us, and it they should sense the Holy Spirit in our lives. They're not going to say, I sense the Holy Spirit yeah. in you. But there's going to be something about us that draws them. And I've, I've had many experiences where someone would tell me, I don't want to hear any more. No more of that Bible stuff. Just stop. I'm done. I'm like, oh, okay, it, I, I understand you don't want to hear any more. And two minutes later, they bring it up again. And then they say, okay, don't, don't say any more. And I'm like, well, you, you brought it up. And then five <laughs> minutes later, they bring it up. Something yeah. is drawing them. Obviously, yeah. the Holy Spirit's drawing them. But there should be something about our personality that makes them respect us and like to be around us, even if they might disagree with our viewpoints to begin with, they enjoy being around us. Yeah, yeah, that's what I love. Sometimes I'll go on um, on YouTube and watch Ray Comfort because I, I love how he loves people. You can tell he loves people. Yeah. He has a burden for them, and so everything he says is is comes out of that love he has for people. And he says some hard things, but I think you can you can uh, their hearts can be softened by the fact that they sense genuine concern and love for them, which I think is our number one goal here. 
Um, and then, so then you have, um, point number two, uh, we have the setup. What is the setup? Yeah, that's just, um, getting into the situation. There's certain things that we should be aware of. If someone is in the middle of a very intense conversation, very important, you shouldn't really be disruptive. Just interrupt them and start sharing what you want to share with them because you're, it's a huge inconvenience. It's, it's not respectful at all. So you want to be sensitive to the surrounding. If you're at work, you mm. should be honoring your employer. Mm. And as good as it is to share the gospel with people, you don't want to be spending 45 minutes when you're supposed to be working. Right. It's not a good testimony either. So like in a work environment, you may want to, you, you might be sharing with someone for you know, a minute or two here, which which is fine. But then you might tell them, hey, I'd really like to share with you more, but you know, I've, we've got responsibilities here to our employer and I want to honor that. What do you say about grabbing lunch someday, or maybe mm-hmm. after work we can grab dinner or whatever? So you take it outside of working hours. Yeah. So um, setting this up for that conversation, and then also um, a smooth transition. You don't necessarily want to walk up to someone and say, "Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior?" In order to go to heaven when you die, because if you don't, you'd be in, in eternity in hell or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, okay, that's just kind of weird. It might be true. Uh-huh. But no one starts out a conversation like that. Right. You want to have it be more of a natural, smooth transition. And uh, again, the Holy Spirit does all the heavy lifting, so you can pray ahead of time, saying, "God, I would really like to share with this person, but I don't, I don't even know how to get this conversation started. Please mm-hmm. help me." And I guarantee you, God will set something up where something will happen, and it'll be a really natural transition. Before you know it, you're in this conversation. It's like, wow, that was really smooth, and they're the ones who are asking me. And I've got I have four, four examples out of 50 million. <laughs> um, one is my first job out of college. I was doing field service engineering. In fact, I was working up in Appleton. <laughs> oh. um, I was doing field service engineering, traveling around the country, a little bit out of the country, they hired a new guy, and they wanted me to train him. And I really wanted to, to witness to him. He was just out of college, and I was only like maybe two or three years out of college. And so I, I prayed. I said, God, help me witness to this guy. And we, we were driving somewhere in a car, and so I knew I had a few minutes to talk. So I said, hey, Mark, let's say our boss gave us two jobs, two projects coming up. One of them was we had to drive across town and do something that afternoon and then come home. The other one is we had to fly down to Santiago, Chile, and go to Chukicamata, <laughs> and we were going to be there for two years working on this project. I said, which one of those projects would you probably want to know a little bit more about so you could be prepared? And, well, it was a no-brainer. He's like, well, obviously the one going down to South America, mm-hmm. I'd want to be able to prepare properly for that. I said, yeah, I, I agree with that. I said, well, think about this. People are on this planet 70, 80, 90 years um, and then after that, whatever it is, it's from that point on, like eternity in a sense. So what makes more sense to find out more about like just day-to-day living here or like what's coming up after we die? Mm-hmm. And again, he was kind of cornered. He had to admit it would make more sense to learn more about this eternity thing because that's going to be from that point on. And so he admitted, yeah, that'd be more important. I said, do you ever wonder like what happens to you when you die? And he said no, <laughs> and I truly believe he just lied to me. Yeah. There's no way like a 24-year-old had never, ever thought right. about what happens to people when they die. Right. He probably had thought about it a little bit and was very uncomfortable because he didn't know, so you just move on because at 24 years old, you're going to live forever. <laughs> right. 
Um, so, but anyway, the point was, I looked at our work situation, a practical example, and then transitioned very smoothly, and we were able to talk. I was able to share the gospel message. A uh, second one, real quick, well, we don't even need a lot of details on this, COVID. Mm-hmm. That's something everyone dealt with and still is to a point dealing with. So what you do is you listen to them and hear them talk about COVID, what their thoughts are, ask them, do you know anyone who got you know really sick from it? Do you know anyone who died? And they'll talk all about it, and then you can ask them, you know, so what do you think would happen to you if you got COVID and died? Like, what happens? You you ask them, mm-hmm. and they will tell you their thoughts, and you can easily transition into what the Bible has to say. We already talked about the third example, Israel, because we're all dealing with it. It's in our face in the news. It's a huge, huge world item. And then the last example, um, Health Club, this was a creative one. I'm working out. A guy comes up to me. I've seen him there a lot. I've never really talked to him, but he's just shooting the breeze with me. And then he says, hey, could we get together sometime? Uh, apparently, he sold life insurance, and he wanted to tell oh. me all about their policies. <laughs> I I think I either felt I didn't need it or already had some, but I thought maybe if we got together, I'd somehow be able to witness to him. So I said, sure, you can come over. So he came over a few days later, and he's telling me all about their life insurance policies and all the details. And then when he finished... I said, um, I said I didn't mention this, but I said I actually deal in life insurance as well. And he's like, he was just shocked. It's like, what you didn't? You deal in life insurance and you didn't tell me? And I said, mine's all different. And I said, I have a question. What does your policy do for the person who passes away? He said, Well, I told you, and it covers the funeral expenses and this and that. I said, No, that that's for the people who are still here. What does it do for the the person who's dead? He said, so I told you, you know, the funeral expenses. I said, no, those are for the people who are living who have to pay those bills. What mm-hmm. does it do for the dead person? <laughs> and he's just confused, like, what are you talking about? And yeah. I said, I actually have a policy that actually is for the person who dies. He's so confused. And wow. then I went into that and shared the gospel message. And just before I finished, he goes, oh, you can't convert me. You, you can't convert me. And I said, well, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm Jewish. Oh, man. I said, so what does that mean? He goes, you, you can't convert me. I'm Jewish. I said, well, but what does that mean? He goes, oh, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> so he's, just, he's probably Jewish by culture, but not necessarily yeah, really right. into all the details of Judaism. But anyway, I just used wow. his own profession to transition into that. Mm-hmm. And there's no end of those types of opportunities yeah. for us. If we just pray, God's pretty clever. And he can get those things to come up with before you know what you're sharing the gospel. Well, that's just what I was going to say. That is very clever because it makes you want to say, what do you mean? Do you say you're not going to die or what? You know what I mean? Because what he said, yeah, what he said was really irrelevant. And, but you know, the interesting thing about the 24 year old, um, statistics, and I shared this earlier in the week, statistics show that more people get saved between, you know, 14 and 20. And that's interesting because they tend to think that life is stretched out before them and they're going to live forever and they've got, you know, the world is their footstool. But they have thought about it. You know, what happens when I die? What happens if I die? And I find that very, very interesting that the Holy Spirit works very often in young people. Uh, and you wouldn't think that that would be the case. But, you know, that's good to keep in mind when we're, when we're sharing the gospel with people. So yeah. the yeah. worldview hasn't been set yet. When right. You- the later, the longer you wait, it's not, you know, anyone can be saved at any time, right. but they tend to set their worldview and they become a lot more self-sufficient and self-secured where they think they got it figured out. No one can tell them. They all have come up with a standard 
And the Bible has one standard that's 100% perfection. Bad news is we can't reach that. The good news is that Jesus did it for us. But they don't like the Bible thing because then they can't live how they want. So they have all conveniently created a standard in which they qualify. Whatever it is, they, they get by. They pass because of this standard. So they're comfortable at that point. So it's harder, in a sense, to talk to them because... They think they have it figured out. When they're younger, they realize they don't know everything, and they're open yeah. to hearing yeah. you know, what we have to say. Yes, and their hearts aren't as hardened through years of sin. Um, they yes. haven't, you know what I mean? I think when you get older, you, you get more set in your ways, and I think that's just a hardened heart towards your lifestyle and the things you've done and that sort of thing. So yes. that may be part of it. So let's go to point three. First things first, questions. Do we open with questions? Do they... Uh, do we encourage them to ask questions? What what should be some of the questions? I know because a lot of people say, you know, if God had been there, this blank, this shooting at a school wouldn't have happened. And people get very uh, almost hardened in their heart at that point. So what about the question part? That's huge. And it took me a while to learn this, what I'm going to share. When I started uh, getting into defending the Christian world, again, my long story short is, Grew up in a Christian home, believed the Bible cover to cover all the way through high school, went to a Christian college for engineering, got a degree, then went to Whitewater for physics, and was, for the first time in my life, challenged at the state university, being told that everything I believed was wrong. And I I didn't think I was wrong, but I couldn't defend it. Mm. And so that's when I got my start, you know, researching and learning, and I was so fired up. But I, I called myself a fax machine, not a copier, just <laughs> spewing out facts, thinking if people knew what I just read, mm-hmm. they would realize they're wrong and they'll right. go to church and worship Jesus. That was not effective. I love it. Very, very seldom did that have any effect on anyone just telling them facts about something because we're dealing with a heart issue. Mm. So what I've picked up over the years from different people, and my wife has helped me a lot, is listen. Listen to people before you say anything about what you believe. Listen to them because you'll notice, you'll be shocked how often people make what we call truth claims. They're saying something, and they just claim that something is true. And before we jump in and try to say the opposite is true, that they're wrong and we're right and here's why, don't even go there. Just pull out what they just said. They just made a pretty powerful truth claim about you know, where we came from, what's going on, what's right, what's wrong. They just made a truth claim, so listen to them to understand what it is that they're saying, and then you can ask follow-up questions as to what leads you to that conclusion, how do you know it's accurate, and why are you confident in it, and you you learn more about who they are as a person, how they got to where they are in life, and you show care and concern for who they are as a person rather than saying, I don't know anything about you, I don't really care. I'm just going to tell you what's right, and you need to believe it. Mm. And that's that's very cold-hearted. That's yeah. that's you know goes against the personal persona. So yeah. spend time listening. People love to talk. So listen to what they're saying, and then it better positions you to ask the follow-up questions as to why they believe those things are true. Yeah, and that kind of circles back to how we started seeing the evil in the world, seeing the mayhem and the chaos. A lot of them have questions about evil. Uh, they may or may not think that it exists or that there's a devil, there isn't a devil, that sort of thing. And I think that people really are very in tune to those questions, and I think we need to be ready um, to have them ask those questions about, you know, where did evil come from? Where did God come from? I mean, it, it may sound funny to us, you know, how, where did, who created God and that sort of thing, but, but these are questions that people ask, and they may be unchurched. They may never have set foot in a Sunday school in their entire lives. 
And so we are the one connection that they will make to anything spiritual, and we need to be ready for that. Um, So as far as, you know, evolution, you know, our kids have been raised in the schools with evolution and that sort of thing. Um, They may say evolution's a fact, and the Bible is just full of myths. Now now what, Jay? (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, they they just made a truth claim, and in the Mm. past, I would have been very quick to say, well, no, you know, creation is true, and the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and then they say, prove it, and I would mm. stumble to you know, throw out some evidences, but it wasn't convincing, and it just, then they'd walk away, and they say, oh, yeah, you have your little myth about the Bible, but I live in the real world of science, and we invent mm. things and solve problems, and they walk away, and you just feel totally humiliated, and you, then you're much more hesitant to share your faith in the future. So if someone says something like, you know, evolution's a fact, and the Bible's just myth, I asked a question. I just listened. They made a truth claim that evolution is a fact in the Bible's myth. Those two claims, actually. So I would just ask them very sincerely and casually, oh, how do you um, define, you know, evolution? And because evolution means so many different things, and they would probably say, well, you know, that life formed from chemicals, and then it, as it reproduced, it slowly changed and formed all the animals that we have today and plants and all that. So, okay, how do you know it's a fact? Because you just said it's a, actually it's a fact. And then they might say, well, you know, because uh, all scientists believe it. Like, okay, then they just made another truth claim. All yeah. scientists believe in evolution. So you just ask them another follow-up question. You're just listening and asking questions. How do you know all scientists believe it? And then they'll realize, okay, they don't necessarily know that all scientists believe it, and it probably isn't true. But then they'll say, well, all the real scientists believe it. You just ask another <laughs> question. Oh, how, how, you, how do you define a real Scientist. Yeah. Well, anyone who believes in evolution, they're a real scientist. Well, that's circular reasoning. <laughs> All the real scientists believe it. The ones that are real are the ones who believe it. Um, and then you can, you can even temporarily let them off the hook, as at that point they will realize their answers aren't cutting it, but you don't want to upset them too much or push too hard. Mm-hmm. So you might temporarily let the first truth claim go that evolution's a fact because you've just revealed they, they don't really know that. Then you quickly move on to the second one. You you think that the Bible is just myth. You know what led you to that conclusion? Well, it's filled with errors and contradictions. Mm-hmm. You ask another follow up question because they made another truth claim. Um, can you give me an uh, example of some errors or contradictions? Well, there's there's tons of them. <laughs> tons. And you could say I'm not really requiring tons. If you could just give me an example mm-hmm. or two, that'd be fine. Well, I I, I can't think of any right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, can you tell me what the Bible is all about? beginning to end, not all the details, it starts with this, this this happens, that goes on, and it ends with this. 30-second overview. Well, it's been a while since I've looked at it, and okay, tell me, if you can't think of any actual errors or contradictions, and you don't even know what it's all about, why do you have such a strong opinion against it? Are you Mm -hmm. sure you're not just repeating what you've heard from others versus your own well-thought-out research? Mm-hmm. I want to do that very graciously, but and I haven't even started. I haven't said anything about Christianity. They're making claims, and I'm asking follow-up questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and a lot of people, I mean, if if you can't really do a book report on a book that you haven't read, we learned that in high school, but how many people do a book report in their head all the time about the Bible, and they've never even opened it? And that's where I like to challenge people, have you read it? No? Well, 
you know, maybe if you could start here, maybe you could start there, and then we'll talk after that, and we can talk about what you read, and, and hopefully the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will use something in what they read to just hit them between the eyes, and they will become more open. So um, that's one of my approaches when people say, because I had a Catholic family, and they'd say, well, I don't believe in the Bible, and that was supposed to shut down the conversation. And, of course, oftentimes it does. But anyway, Jay, we... We're just about at the end here. I can't believe how fast this has gone. We just have a couple minutes left. Is there anything you you want to say about witnessing? Anything important that we didn't get to or that we left out? Well, I would wrap up with this because this is super important. Um, we should learn things that help us defend the Christian worldview and apologetics and all that. But I think the most uh, two most important thing and most powerful things are prayer about the situation, mm-hmm. sharing, and then secondly actually sharing scripture the different arguments and this and logic and all that that's great but what's most powerful is scripture isaiah 55 11 says that god's word will never return void it will always accomplish what he wants and this is how i see this happening it's very practical and very powerful when we really live this out um when i share the complexities of dna with someone there's no guarantee that that's going to change their mind. God can sovereignly use those arguments to get them thinking a little bit, challenge them. That's fine. We can share that. But there's no guarantee that it'll have an effect. However, when I actually share Scripture from Romans 1 or wherever it is, the Bible itself is guaranteeing me that these words will not return void. It'll always accomplish what God wants, which is one of two things. Sharing God's Word directly will either be used to convict and convert the person, which is what God would like, but Mm -hmm. God will not force himself on them. Or secondly, it will be used to condemn them, meaning they heard the truth of God's Word and they chose to reject it. And it's only up to us to share what the Word says, not to force their decision Mm -hmm. about it. So it takes the, the weight off of our shoulders and just say, hey, know what Scripture says, share it with people directly. The Holy Spirit will offer conviction mm. through that. Mm-hmm. Now, along the way, if they say, well, what about the errors and contradictions in the Bible? What about carbon-14 dating? What about dinosaurs? What about the evil in the world? What about this? Right. What about that? We should be ready to have a response. Okay. But if you don't have one right away, say, you know what? Awesome question. Makes so much sense you're asking that. Let me get back to you because I want to do a really good job because yeah. that's an important question. You can get yeah. back to them. But yeah. don't be short on sharing God's Word directly. Well, and if they have a problem with what you share from the Word, their problem is with God and not with you. So the wonderful thing right. is to point to God and creation and and who He says He is and what um, his, his claim on their life. And, and that is the most important thing. And they'll have to, uh, the Holy Spirit can bring all, everything we said back to remembrance. That's the beauty of it. And I think, uh, Jay, today being a light because of all the things we said at the beginning, all these issues we're dealing with that make the world such a dark place, we need to be a light, a bright, bright, bright light. And I love, I want to end with Daniel here, Daniel 12, 3. You're going to be a light forever and ever because it says those eyes shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So I want to say to the people listening, um, be that bright light, uh, shine brightly for the kingdom because, uh, um, time is short. I really believe it. I know you believe that too. Time is very, very short. We are here for a reason. And, um, sharing our faith is really not an option. It is the Great Commission and we want to be obedient to that. So Jay, Thank you so much for being my guest today. We'll have to do this again uh, uh, in the new year. Uh, the starting point 
Project.com is the website, and it has a lot of wonderful resources. There's a podcast you can listen to, and there's um, many things, uh, events if you want. We talked about Grand Canyon tours. If you want to do something like that, um, feel free to go to that website and sign up. Uh, get your family involved and be ready to defend the faith. Tomorrow we have Don Vino and Ron Hensel of Midwest Christian Outreach. Um, they're cult specialists. It should be a very, very interesting program. Um, we're so grateful. We are listener-supported, and we're very, very grateful for everybody uh, who supports Stand Up for the Truth, and we encourage you to do that if this has uh, been uh, uplifting for you and it has been something that edifies you and, and builds up the church. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Um, thank you for being with me today. Tune in again tomorrow at 9 o'clock and have a great day on purpose. Music.